All right, guys, welcome to today's episode of Locked On SEC Podcast, part of Locked On Podcast Network. I am your host, Blake Lovell, and on today's episode of the podcast, we look at some uh, news items around the SEC and the NCAA, uh, and also uh, dive into uh, some SEC basketball-related stuff uh, when it comes to some recent transfers around the league and uh, some of the players that are entering the NBA draft. Some will stay in the NBA draft, others uh, potentially just testing the waters and coming back to college. But let's start with the news, and there are a couple of things uh, that certainly impact the SEC. And the first is uh, the fact that the SEC decided to uh, approve uh, virtual instruction with players. Uh, That was several days ago. Uh, the league making the decision uh, to allow coaches, uh, you know, for football programs that they could start uh, using this virtual instruction uh, on Monday. And so uh, no doubt that everyone is trying to already take as much advantage of that as they can, uh, given the unique circumstances, uh, you know, around uh, not just college football, but also uh, all sports right now. And so uh, the SEC uh, allowing them to do that, uh, I know previously, you know, that was something that, you know, coaches weren't exactly sure uh, what that was going to look like. How are they going to be able to communicate with their team other than just calling, texting, uh, you know, FaceTiming, that type of stuff. And so uh, this certainly gives them a little bit more of an opportunity uh, to at least, you know, do some instruction of some sort, uh, which, you know, probably is going to include uh, reviewing film, uh, that type of stuff. And because they're not able to meet in person, um, they can do pretty much whatever they can can try to do, uh, you know, virtually using these different platforms uh, that we've discussed, you know, like Zoom and all these other things um, that could allow them to, to engage in this type of, you know, instruction with their players. Uh, one of the things that is not included uh, in this, that they can't uh, do any sort of physical workouts of any kind. So uh, basically, um, you know, they, they can't oversee, you know, physical workouts and that type of stuff. So it is pretty much, you know, just going over uh, different items, you know, that that pretty much doesn't involve uh, th- these physical type of workouts. And so at least it's something uh, I know, it's, you know, for coaches, it's still not completely ideal when it comes to uh, trying to get their teams ready for the season, although not knowing exactly what the season is going to look like. Uh, but it is a step, and I think that's what you know everyone uh, understands at this point is that uh, this is not going to be normal for anyone. Um, everyone's going to have to to adjust to to whatever you know decisions are made when it comes to to approaching uh, not just the football season but other seasons as well. And I think you know it's just a situation where uh, now you look at it, uh, you know this is this is at least gives the coaches an opportunity uh, to to find a way to connect more with their players because it's going to be so important and we've talked about this and with these first year coaches that are in different spots around the SEC um, you know not just head coaches but coordinators and that type of stuff uh, getting everyone on the same page that's always one of the most important things that these coaches have to do and and this is just an offseason where it's probably going to be almost impossible to do that uh, in normal situations. And so uh, you have to be able to be creative. And I, and I think this is going to, to challenge coaches to, to be creative with this. And how do they use, you know, this instruction that they have, um, you know, because they're getting, I think it's two hours uh, of instruction per week. So, you know, there, there's only so much probably you can do in a virtual setting 
two hours per week that's going to be able to, to maybe get you where you want to be. And so um, it is. It, it's going to you know demand that coaches find ways to be creative with, with, in terms of communicating with their players, um, you know, implementing different things they want to try to put in because uh, that's really, at this point, uh, the only way they can do it is through these uh, virtual instructions and virtual meetings. Um, and so it, it will be interesting when, when we look at this and, and see maybe how coaches approach it differently. And I'm sure you'll have a lot of guys talking about uh, you know, eventually, you know, how, how they were able to kind of navigate this. Um, and it will be interesting, you know, how, how coaches are going to approach it because uh, it, it's something, uh, it's not everything that they want for sure, but it is at least something that they can use uh, to try to, to try to take a step forward uh, when it comes to, to getting everyone on the same page uh, on their team. But uh, also uh, the NCAA uh, voted on the eligibility for athletes. And just as we expected, uh, spring sport athletes do have the opportunity now to have an additional season of uh, competition in college athletics and now it's going to basically be a situation where um, the, the division one council voted that will allow schools uh, to give spring sport athletes an additional season of competition uh, so that basically it, it extends their their eligibility in college um, and now what it's going to come down to is basically it comes down to you know what the schools decide what the teams decide and what the players decide because uh, it is a different kind of scenario and if you if you want all the details in terms of what the the adjustments are on this and and what the different things are that are going to go into it because uh, it is you know it's going to be something where there are going to be adjustments made in terms of like financial aid uh, and that type of stuff and how many scholarships um, you can have for a certain season because we know that recruiting plays a big role in this too because you're going to have all these recruits coming in and it's basically a matter of okay well how do you make everything fit together not just from a you know a scholarship standpoint financial standpoint but also from a roster standpoint and so that could result you know in a lot of players maybe not playing at the exact same school they were playing at before uh, because of this unique situation and so um, you know it'll be interesting with that too because uh, it's just a matter of you know again this is this is an unprecedented situation, and, and how does each team handle it? How does each school handle it? You know, and also, what are the decisions of the players? Because knowing that there are a lot of recruits coming in, and probably lots of programs uh, were preparing to have to replace some of these guys that now have this extra season of eligibility. And so, um, you know, th- that's another thing where how do we see that unfold with with players? Um, you know, do we have more players that, that are going um, to transfer to different schools, maybe to, to make things fit better on certain rosters? Or, or how does that work out? Um, I think that's another fascinating part of this whole situation. But uh, give the NCAA credit because uh, it was the right thing to do in terms of the spring sport athletes getting uh, the extra year of eligibility. I don't think there was any doubt about that. Uh, the winter sport athletes did not but as we've talked about you know several times on the podcast that was just something that likely was not realistic uh, from a logistical standpoint given the fact that the majority of the season had already been played even though for some you know there was no postseason uh, due to the the cancellations of the tournaments but um, you know it was just it was always going to be a a spot where the spring sports were going to be the main focus uh, and that's what happened and at least the NCAA uh, got it right when it comes to giving uh, that extra eligibility for spring sport athletes. But coming up we will look at some of the things around the transfer portal uh, especially in SEC basketball because there's been quite a bit uh, over the past several days and we'll get into that coming up here on the Locked On SEC podcast part of Locked On podcast network. 
And guys, if you want to get in the best shape of your life, you don't have to join a gym or pay a ton for overpriced fitness equipment. The best way to get in the best shape of your life is with Echelon. Go to echelonfit.com to discover their X1 connected fitness bikes that offer a high-quality at-home cycling experience at a less than half the price of a Peloton. Echelon makes beautifully engineered products for everyone, busy moms and dads, first responders and athletes, whatever your activity level, they've got it. And with daily live and on-demand studio classes right in your home, you'll never have to step foot in a gym. You'll love Echelon, but if you aren't 100% satisfied, they'll even give you your money back. Join the hundreds of thousands of men and women who are getting fit with Echelon. You don't have to pay a ton for a Peloton. Buy an Echelon bike today for under $1,000. Just go to echelonfit.com slash L-O-N-F-L to learn about their limited-time free Apple iPad and complete details of this exclusive offer. Echelon, it's your time. That's A-C-H-E-L-O-N fit.com slash L-O-N-F-L echelonfit.com slash L-O-N-F-L. And let's get into some of the recent uh, transfers in SEC basketball. Uh, Some incoming, some outgoing, uh, but that's how it works now when it comes to the transfer portal. And as you guys heard in the interview we did with uh, Kermit Davis uh, last Friday, uh, you know, we asked him the question, do you think there's going to be more transfers uh, due to this situation uh, that we're in right now? And, and he completely said absolutely. And, and that's something we had talked about before um, in that it was probably going to be the case because really to piggyback on what we talked about in the first segment with, uh, you know, coaches only being able to communicate with their players uh, either by phone or now uh, virtually in some of these these situations. So um, that just, you know, puts you in a spot where, again, you don't know exactly, um, you know, who's talking to who because everyone's not in, in the same building. You're not having these end-of-season meetings like you usually do in basketball. And so that leads uh, to some of these situations. But uh, when we look at some of the biggest ones here recently, we're not going to go through every one of them, uh, but... But some of the ones that that maybe are the biggest, Tennessee picks up a huge addition to their roster for next season by landing Sacred Heart grad transfer EJ Anasicki. Uh, Of course, he's the brother of former Lady Vol star Nikki Anasicki. And, you know, we, we mentioned we talked about him in one of the episodes last week, Um, his uh, the addition of him to the roster is significant for the Vols because he is someone who averaged a double-double, 15.7 points, 11.6 rebounds per game last season for the Pioneers. And now you add him to the mix uh, to a team that already has a lot of production returning. Um, And, you know, you bring back the Defensive Player of the Year in Eve Ponds. You bring back John Fulkerson, who looked like an All-SEC player with the way that he improved. Um, you know, you bring back Josiah Jordan James, who we know has a ton of talent. And and while you know he had some ups and downs as a freshman, uh, you just you you pretty much assume that he's going to be even better now as a sophomore. Um, and you bring in a, an elite recruiting class, a top five recruiting class to the mix, and you add you know an experienced player like this who averaged a double double last season. I don't think there's any doubt with the addition of Anasiki and the recruiting class they're going to add to the mix. Tennessee is without question a preseason top 15 type of team. Now, I don't know if that's where they'll be ranked in certain polls. Uh, You guys know how I feel about preseason polls. Uh, For the most part, they don't mean a whole lot. But if you're just trying to compare teams around the country, 
I think you look at Tennessee, and they're undoubtedly probably going to be an SEC title contender, uh, and I think they're probably going to be one of the better teams in the country when you just look at the makeup of their roster, um, You know, knowing what Rick Barnes is able to do with, with teams like this. I just think that they've got a lot of there that, that they could be a team that can win the SEC and potentially you know get to a Final Four. Now, I'm obviously way too early to, to have that discussion, but... Uh, the talent is there, and I think adding someone like Anasiki, that's what they needed to go along with what's going to be a very, very talented young group, and you know the guys they have coming back, like Pons and Fulkerson, uh, leading the way as those experienced guys on the roster. So a huge pickup for the Vols, and, and there's no doubt that this puts in them in that category, I think right up there as one of the top two or three teams in the SEC, and probably you know a top 15, top 20, top 25 type of team, uh, without a doubt for me, uh, when you look ahead to next season, just based on what rosters look like uh, right now. Obviously, could be a lot more changes for other teams, uh, but the Vols are going to be very, very good uh, next season. Uh, transfer out was Johnny Juzang, uh transferring from Kentucky. Um, you know, he played that. He had a really good game against Florida. I think he played 33 minutes in that game. I think that was the most he played uh, any game uh, all season. Uh, but uh, you know, I know Kentucky fans looked at that game and said, "Well, you know, this guy, you know, maybe with with the potential here, um, someone that can develop." But but transferring, um, you know, from Kentucky and. And, you know, everyone has different reasons for transferring. Um, you know, it's maybe not that surprising uh, when Kentucky, you know, has some players that transfer. We know Khalil Whitney uh, was also a part of this group. Um, but, you know, I think it's it's something where, you know, Juzang's from, from Los Angeles. Um, you know, you don't ever know the exact situation in terms of players, what their decision is, uh, why exactly, you know, they, they decide to transfer. But uh, he's going to be someone that, that a lot of teams are going to have to gonna be after uh, because he is. He's got a lot of potential, and I think his shooting ability um, going to be a big asset for someone else. But uh, we know Kentucky just reloads every season, and um, you know now you're having to find a way to replace him as well. But um, we, we know what it's like for John Calipari. I mean, he's going to He's going to have a really good recruiting class coming in. Um, you know, does he does he add a transfer to the mix? Uh, but uh, Juzang uh, will not be on the roster uh, there next season for the Wildcats. And again, will probably be uh, a pretty significant addition uh, for another team uh, in college basketball. Uh, Mississippi State, that was a team, and, and this one's one of those that, that happened, you know, probably almost a week and a half ago now. Um, you know, given, and people were asking me about this, you know, what's going on with all the transfers at Mississippi State? Because I think as of right now, the Bulldogs have had five players transfer, and we'll get to another player that we know is going to be leaving uh, here in just a minute. Uh, but, uh, yeah, Mississippi State, five players transferring. And, I, you know, I think people ask, it's like, well, what do you what do you make of a situation like that? And it's a very good question because as we continue to talk about, I mean, it's in an offseason like this, um, you know, some teams are going to probably, you know, have these situations where a lot of people maybe transfer out. And it's a matter of well, what do you make of it? You know, what do you read into it um, just based on, you know, who exactly are the players that are transferring out? Um, what's the situation there with the coach? And I think you look at, I mean, Ben Howland, um, you know, this is a Mississippi State team that was right there. They probably would have had a chance uh, to play their way into the NCAA tournament. May have been the closest of any SEC team on the bubble uh, to get into the tournament. Uh, but now, you know, are going to basically have to rebuild their entire roster almost 
going into next season, but they're still going to have some of these cornerstones that they can build on. Uh, but to have, you know, five players transferring out, uh, you're going to have another that, that's going to be leaving, as we'll talk about in a second. Um, you know, it, it does. I mean, I'm sure Mississippi State fans are trying to figure out exactly, uh, you know, what, what the roster is going to look like next season. Because when you look at it, uh, you are going to bring back several key players. You know, as of right now, uh, they've got uh, a couple of guys who, who, have, who have signed with them uh, in the recruiting class. But uh, it's a situation where, you know, Mississippi State's a team that's going to have to get active probably in the transfer portal to try to, to pick up some players uh, to fill out the roster. But again, I think the thing for Mississippi State is when you look at the guys who are expected to come back, you know, you've got someone like Nick Weatherspoon and Robert Woodard and Abdullah do, you know, guys you can build around, um, you know, DJ Stewart's in there. And I think it's just, you know, you've got different guys you can build around. You've just got to start, you know, now you've got to figure out, you know, well, how do we, we rebuild the depth on the roster and, and how do we replace, you know, some of these guys from a depth standpoint and try to, you know, build out that that depth that you need to have on the roster uh, going into next season. So, uh, you know, I think when you look at it, Ben Howland's going to have to, you know, find some different players using various methods, uh, whether that's adding more, you know, recruits to the mix, uh, transfers. Um, they're going to have to get creative probably when it comes to, to finding ways, uh, you know, to replace several players uh, who have made the decision to transfer. Uh, so Mississippi State, one of the teams uh, that undoubtedly, when we look at the transfer portal, uh, one of the teams that, that's losing several players to the mix instead of maybe just a couple uh, like some of these other teams. And then for Ole Miss, uh, we talked about it um, on Friday with Kermit Davis. Um, you know, two two transfers for Ole Miss right now, Carlos Curry and Franco Miller. You heard Kermit Davis talk about it. You know, he supported their decisions to transfer. And I think for Ole Miss, they're a team that is also being very active in transfers. When you look at, um, you know, some of the, the players that are transferring, you know, you see guys like Jeff Goodman, John Rothstein putting out, you know, who are the, the, the top players, who are the players that, that have cut their list to certain schools. You're seeing Ole Miss pop up on a lot of those, as is Arkansas, which is not a surprise when we think about um, what Musk is able to do uh, with transfers each and every, every season. Uh, but, uh, I, you know, I, I don't think it would be surprising at all to see Ole Miss uh, add a couple different players here in the transfer portal, uh, just knowing that, you know, I think it's it's how they're rebuilding the roster too. Uh, you know, Bree and Tyree has graduated. Uh, you lose a couple guys to, to transfer, and, you know, you wait and see if anyone else is going to transfer because that's kind of what coaches are, are looking at this point. I mean, we know, you know, there are already hundreds of players that have decided to transfer, but we have to remember, you know, it's we're just now almost to, to you know, we're at the end of the March still. We usually – We'd be talking about, you know, the Final Four and getting ready for all that. But, um, you know, at this point, it's almost like there usually are transfers, but it usually starts to really, you know, get get more and more transfers into the portal um, maybe in mid-April or so. And so, um, you know, almost a, a head start due to all this situation. So you've had a lot more players transfer, and so I think there's still the potential there uh, for other players, you know, for, from around college basketball to decide to transfer. And that's why, you know, you're going to look at it and probably say, okay, well, how do some of these guys replace the guys that are transferring out? But I do think Ole Miss uh, will wind up, you know, landing a couple of these transfers. And remember, they have Jarkel Joyner, who sat out last season. Uh, I think he'll come in and play a big role right away. So the Rebels uh, will try to, uh, to add some players to the mix uh, to get back on track next season. But uh, those are just some of the the transfers in the SEC. And I know this is sort of one of those situations where 
you know, there's play, there's players transferring in and out every day, and uh, I'm sure there'll be a lot more uh, to discuss when it comes to teams either landing transfers or uh, some of these players uh, transferring elsewhere. But uh, coming up, uh, we will look at some of the NBA draft entrants in the SEC. There have been several at this point. Some uh, have announced that they will enter the draft and will not return to school, while others uh, will leave open the option of coming back to college the next season. We'll talk about those coming up here on the Locked On SEC Podcast, part of Locked On Podcast Network. And for the players entering the NBA draft, uh, the NBA draft process has changed over the years a bit, uh, a little bit more flexible when it comes to giving players the opportunity to go through the process and return to school. Um, and so that, I think, is a positive in terms of, of what uh, players can do um, to have that opportunity to, to go through the process. And at this point, um, you essentially need to enter the draft process. If you have any sort of you know hopes of playing in the NBA, going through the process is going to be much more helpful than anything else. Because even if you decide to come back to school, you at least know what to expect from the process. You at least have NBA teams that can put you on their radar and you know be something where they, they're going to continue to look at you maybe as you go through your next year uh, of college. And so um, it's, it's something to keep in mind. Just because players are entering the process does not mean that they are going to stay in the NBA draft, uh, pursue professional opportunities. Uh, they have that option to come back, and at least um, it's gotten a little better in terms of uh, players having that decision to come back. A little bit more strict several years ago uh, when it comes to when, it, when, it was, when we talked about the NBA draft process. But but some of the players uh, entering the process from the SEC, uh, we just mentioned all. The exits at Mississippi State, well, another one, and uh, this one not unexpected, as Reggie Perry will enter the NBA draft and will not return to Mississippi State. Um, you know, I think that's one that it was expected. I mean, you know, it's one of those where he had an SEC Player of the Year type of season. Uh, we saw that from him, and, and now it's probably just a matter of knowing that. I think this is a guy that was very impressive when he went through the NBA draft process last season. Uh, and honestly, I think it was to a point to where he, his stock had gone up so much uh, during the process last season that I don't know that a lot of people expected him to come back to college. But ultimately, he decided to do that. And I still think he's going to be someone, he'll be a draft pick. Uh, it's just a matter of, you know, where does he get drafted? Uh, maybe hard to know right now. He could probably be a late first round, early second round type of tick, pick potentially, uh, just depending on, you know, how he performs. But that's something else too, is he was someone that really performed well in terms of those in-person combines going up against some of these other guys. That's when he really impressed during the process a season ago. And so now, if you don't have that, you know, there have to be other ways. But I think he has enough on film that where scouts can look at him, know what he did last season, um, and just knowing how he played during the the draft process and some of these, um, you know, in-person combines when he went through it the first time, uh, I think it's something where Reggie Perry's probably going to be just fine. And I do think he's going to ultimately be uh, a pretty good NBA player because he's got all the tools. uh, And with his size, uh, he's someone that's probably going to be, um, you know, a very valuable asset uh, to an NBA team. Uh, Vanderbilt's Aaron Neesmith uh, also doing the same. Uh, He will enter the draft process, uh, will not return 
to the Commodores, uh, another one that's not a big surprise, and I think that's something where um, that's what you know we really just hated it the most, the fact that he got injured because he was on his way to a special, special season, uh, and he already was having a special season. I mean, it's one of the best scorers in the country, one of the best three-point shooters in the country, and I think you know he's another one that probably, look, he's got enough on film from what he did during this season uh, to where NBA scouts are going to love what he can do, and I think he's going to likely be a first round pick you know exactly where we don't know but um i could definitely see aaron neesmith you know landing in, in a spot that look we have a shooter like that i mean that's got all the potential i think he's just he is someone else too just like reggie perry i think aaron neesmith is going to be a very good nba player uh just because man you can't teach a shooting ability like that but uh he's added other aspects to his game and uh he's someone that's just man he, he's really He's he's a special player, and I think you know we saw that, and and that's why it could have really impacted uh, Vanderbilt's season there, Jerry Stackhouse's first season on the job, because um, they could have been a lot better, and we could have seen the Commodores take a big jump uh, if Aaron Neesmith had played the entire season. Um, Alabama, another team here, they've got uh, you know their trio testing the waters. Not a surprise uh, for Kyra Lewis, John Petty, and Herbert Jones to all be entering the NBA draft process, but. As I've said multiple times to people over the past couple weeks, Alabama is one of these teams that, you know, potentially has the most to gain from their players coming back and maybe the most to to gain from the fact that this process in the NBA draft is going to be a little bit different Uh, because while, you know, you look at Kyra Lewis, you look at John Petty and Herbert Jones, they've all got things on film that NBA scouts are going to be able to look at and say, wow, you know, we, we would like to, to see more of that uh, because, you know, these are guys that, that have that potential to play at the next level. Uh, but, you know, they're not going to have that opportunity in person to go through these combines, maybe perform against some of these guys who are projected as higher picks. Um, you know, they're not going to be able to do that. And so uh, maybe they're not able to play their way up the board just because they're not going to have those opportunities with their actual game. It's more going to be these, you know, communication type of stuff, these Zoom meetings uh, and everything. And, you know, and I think that that's what people ask the question, you know, how much can you improve your stock just through something like that? So for Alabama, all these guys were projected probably second round type of picks. Um, you know, Kyra Lewis probably more towards the, you know, the early second round, potential late first round type of pick. Um, and I think that's going to be interesting for Alabama because if the Crimson Tide were to get all three of these players back and you add to the mix, you know, the, the players that they're going to have in the recruiting class, uh, just adding Josh Primo, um, you know, Keon Ambrose Hilton also there. Um, Alabama's the team, and while they're, they could potentially have some transfers too, and I wouldn't be surprised at that, um, I think the Crimson Tide, if they can bring back all three of these players, then you're putting Alabama right up there in that mix and saying, okay, this is a team that's going to be really good next season. And and so I think Alabama's the team, specifically, when you look at some of the ones around the SEC, uh, they have the most to gain potentially in terms of the players that could return next season because if they could get all three of these guys back, and, and, you know, not knowing exactly maybe who's going to transfer in or out. Um, you still know that if, if you're leaning on these three guys going into next season, uh, the Crimson Tide uh, could be one of the better teams in the SEC. Uh, and so it will be, uh, you know, fascinating to see, you know, how, how it plays out for those three guys. Uh, Mason Jones from Arkansas, um, the SEC Player of the Year, he is also entering the draft process. Uh, I think, you know, it, it's he's another one that – Probably a projected, you know, second round pick, depending on what boards you look at, um, you know, but but he's someone, too, that I think 
Look, he, I mean, this type of season he had, I mean, it's, you know, his his stock right now has to be much higher based on the type of season that he had. Um, and so can he continue, you know, to build off of that? And I think that's something that, you know, that's going to be important here for him in this process because, um, you know, what what is the best situation for him? Is it, you know, coming back to Arkansas for another season? And if you do, um, are you going to be able to replicate the exact type of season you had uh, you know, in terms of what what he did this season, um, I think that's the question that, that some some may ask about Mason Jones. Um, and again, not knowing exactly maybe where he would be at on some of these NBA draft boards right now, uh, it's it's hard to know. And you know, there's no doubt. I mean, we talk about what Alabama could do to benefit from getting those players back. I mean, if Mason Jones comes back, uh, Arkansas has got an elite recruiting class. Uh, you know, they're they're bringing back the bulk of their roster most likely, and any guys that transfer out. We know Eric Musselman is probably going to find some guys that are going to transfer in. Um, so Arkansas is has the potential, I think, um, if Mason Jones comes back, I think Arkansas could be a team uh, that, that could, you know, is another one that's a top 25 preseason team, an SEC title contender uh, based on the players they have coming in and not knowing exactly who could transfer in as well. Not a surprise. Uh, makes sense for him to go through the process and make a decision on uh, what he wants to do uh, going into next season. Uh, and then Georgia Ford, uh, Rayshon Hammonds also uh, entering the draft process. Uh, we know Anthony Edwards is going to the NBA draft uh, without question, potential number one pick. But uh, Rayshon Hammonds, you know, someone I think when he came into Georgia, we had a feeling, you know, he was going to be someone that had a chance to play at the professional level. Uh, whether, you know, he decides to do that, um, who knows at this point. You know, I, don't, I think he's probably going to be one that's going to go through the process uh, just to, to be able to, you know, put, his, put himself on, on the NBA scouts uh, radar and, and someone that can come back and potentially be you know, the leader of the team next season uh, for, for the Bulldogs and, and put himself in a role where, look, if he does return to Georgia, he knows. I mean, he's going to be someone that Tom Crean's going to rely on uh, that's going to have to play a key role for them, uh, knowing that they are losing Anthony Edwards. Uh, still a young team there at Georgia, but, uh, you know, makes sense uh, too. Like with all these other guys, I mean, it just makes sense for them to go through this process. Um, these are guys that we are projecting out and saying that guy's probably going to play in the professional ranks. Will it be in the NBA? You know, will it be in the G League overseas? We don't know, but these are guys that we know are probably going to have you know, a a potential to play professional basketball in some way, shape, or form. And so going through the draft process, uh, something that that all these players should do, and I know that's what what coaches are telling them, uh, you know, to be able to, hey, just go through the process and and get your feedback, and that's going to help you uh, a lot in terms of making that decision uh, and potentially, even if you return to college, um, at least you you know what the process is like and you know the things you have to work on uh, to try to get into the NBA. Um, And so uh, it's a very – it's, you know, it's a good experience, I think, for these players, and we'll see uh, what the decisions are for all of these guys. And there will be more, and there have been others, you know, that we didn't talk about here specifically. And we heard Eric Musselman talk about it last week on the podcast. Um, you know, the the impact of this, this draft process, will it result in more players returning to college? Uh, that's what I think is the most uh, interesting aspect of all this, because I tend to think that it will result in more players coming back. Um, you know, just because it makes more sense and the unknowns with the overseas, 
uh, you know, part of professional basketball right now. We don't know what that's going to look like uh, in several months, and we don't know what it's going to look like for the NBA. So more players may return to college uh, for another season, and if so, uh, the SEC uh, would have a lot of teams that would uh, probably have some rosters that uh, are potential top 25 uh, type of rosters uh, if some of these players uh, return to school. But uh, that'll wrap up this episode of Locked on SEC Podcast. Uh, be sure to subscribe. Head over any podcast app you use. Just search for Locked on SEC. Uh, for everything else, you can follow me on Twitter at the Blake Lovell. And speaking of the NBA draft, um, we have a new podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Chad Ford, it's NBA Big Board. Uh, it's now a part of the Locked On Podcast Network. So if you want some awesome NBA draft coverage, just tell your smart device to play the most recent episode of Chad Ford's NBA Big Board for great NBA draft coverage. But thanks as always for listening, and I'll talk to you guys next time here on the Locked On SEC Podcast, part of Locked On Podcast Network. <laughs>